Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are ours and ours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. to Is After Dark, um, episode 8, I believe, of this series. I am Nick. And I'm Paul. Not the um, usual Paul. Well, one, well, of, one, one of, of the, the usual, usual Pauls. Pauls yeah. yeah, but not the one that usually goes first. I like how we finished each other's um, sandwiches. Sentences? No, sandwiches. Sandwiches. And, sandwiches. Um, yeah, sandwiches. Cool sandwiches. Like the other sandwich. Uh, and we were out we were without General Paul tonight, who um, is not here. Um, he's uh, previously um, indisposed. Yeah. yeah, let's say yeah. that. He's got um, a lot on right now. He's yeah, a busy boy. He is a busy boy, and uh, I believe uh, Mr. Lucas is is working. So yeah, that's, uh, not, that's not George, though. No, that, that's no, Craig, isn't it? That is that is not that one. <laughs> George uh, doesn't drive trains anymore. Does he not? <laughs> Should do. No. Um, but but we're not alone. We do have somebody else that's that's with us. So, uh, Mr. Guest, please reveal yourself. Uh, hi everyone. I'm Chris, and I'm from TDR Explorer, and I'm joining you guys tonight, this morning, um, however you want to call it. It's it's six a.m. here right now. <laughs> wow. You need to, yeah. Now, for for those that are not familiar. Uh, with the podcast, your podcast is a little bit different to most Disney podcasts. Would you like to explain why? Yeah, uh, our podcast is TDR Now, and it's me and my friend Patricia. And since we're both based in Tokyo, uh, we talk about Tokyo Disney Resort because there's not a lot of English information out there. So we decided to bring English information to all the Disney fans out there. Indeed, I mean, for, for many people, it is the um, the park of, of fantasy, uh, not fancy land, of course, um, but it, it's the it's the holy grail. Um, I think most Disney fans, Disney theme park fans at least, um, would love to go to Tokyo um, to, to visit those parks, the two beautiful parks that you have out there. Um, and like you say, there, there's not really. Um, a lot of, of information um, with an English uh, slant. It's normally Japanese, of course. Um, and so, you know, for that reason, your podcast really stands out. Uh, you know, I remember when we tried to have an angle, when we used to have an angle mm. um, back in the day, but, you know, even we're a little bit like all the others, I suppose. Um but I think it's really interesting that you've you've done this, um, and I didn't actually realise that your co-host was was based in Tokyo uh, with you because I have actually listened to your show, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I wasn't too sure if she was with you there or she was she was uh, based in the states. So she's in Tokyo as well. Yeah, she is. Um, 
Yeah, so we're very authentic. <laughs> mm, very much <laughs> we're, so. Yeah. yeah, she's originally from the U.S., and I'm originally from Canada, so... And how long have you been working in Tokyo, Chris? Um, I've been here just over two years now. Wow. Which is, uh, it seems like a long time. <laughs> and were you a big Disney fan before you went to Tokyo? Yeah, I was. Um, I, I've been to all the parks so far except for Hong Kong. And I know Hong Kong is just, you know, one plane right away. I still haven't gone over there yet. Well, amazingly, that's, that's one of the... Um, parks that some of us had been to not the two people you're speaking to of course no. uh, but uh, but the other pool um, has actually been to to Hong Kong Disneyland but before we talk about it any further um, this is what happens when you let the inmates run the asylum uh, yeah. we've kind of skipped a few things over so one important um, thing in particular a very much important thing because I'm staring right in front of my my drink um, and that is what are we drinking so guys what are we drinking Okay, watch out, okay, watch out for any flying arrows, because I've got a can of Strongbow Dark Fruit here. There we go. Ow, just missed. It's okay. Very deadly. Very nice. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? Um, Well, seeing as it's six in the morning and I have to go to work in a little bit. Sun (laughs) Tory. Yeah. (laughs) I wish, I wish. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just having boring old coffee. So sorry, guys. No, no, not not at all. I mean, right. uh, you know, really, if, if we were talking to you that time in the morning, uh, I'd imagine we would probably be on the softer stuff as well. Um, I actually tried to find um, some Japanese beer in my local uh, beer dispensary uh, and failed. Can you believe that? I, I was quite shocked. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't even find anything Oriental. I couldn't even find like Tiger beer. Um, but this took my fancy. Um, and it's it's from Hogsback, and it's called Montezuma's Chocolate Lager. And I thought I'd give that a go, so I'll just hang on. Two main food groups there. Hmm. What's that like, then, Nick? Um. Yeah, there is, a, there is a bit of a chocolatey twang actually. Um, it, it's interesting. Yeah, okay. it's quite sweet. It's quite sweet, four and a half percent, but um, yeah, not bad. So um, I'd give it a go. Uh, I can't say I, I heartily recommend it, but if you're after something a bit different, then um, then do that. And if you've got any suggestions of drink that we should be drinking, uh, or want to complain about any of the stereotypical Japanese things I'm about to say, such as Kanichiwa and Arigato, Mr. Roboto because that's, that's the only Japanese I know, you can contact us via our website at www.disafterdark.com or you can email your complaints at podcast at disafterdark.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at disafterdark and we're also on facebook.com forward slash disafterdark. Hmm. And Chris, um, we normally do plugs a bit later on, but um, you know, I, I think we should really try and spread the word as much as possible about your, your work. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find us on our website at tdrexplore.com and uh, our podcast TDR Now is on iTunes and Stitcher and we're also on Twitter twitter.com slash tdrexplore and also on Facebook facebook.com slash tdrexplore Oh, there you go. So there's no chance <laughs> you're everywhere. missing it like we, we pretty much uh, had. Um, it's been running a while now as well, hasn't it? Um I noticed you've done um, not not quite as many shows as we've done. 
you've, you've done quite a lot of shows. How, how long have you been running the podcast now? Uh, we've been doing it just over a year. We started it in September 2014. So that's mm-hmm. when we started it. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, but no, I mean, I, I said I, I listened to um, your, your latest show. And um, yeah, I think, I think just being able to discuss the park like that and like and you know one of the things that you were talking about was the um the lottery which i had no idea uh about as a concept but the fact that there's now an app available to it um and um it's all in japanese obviously being out there you're you're kind of accustomed to stuff a bit more but would you say there's still quite a lot of emphasis on on anything to do with tokyo disney being for that market and not really being for um for, for english speakers yeah, there's still a really big focus on just, you know, the the Japanese guests. Just because I, I read a stat somewhere, and don't quote me on this, something like 93% of the guests are uh, locals. So there's a lot of marketing that goes towards them. But they are getting better um, with their English website. I kind of keep an eye on it to see what they're updating on there, just so I can direct people to that if I need to. And they started to add more English information. Uh, even though it's pretty general, it's still better than nothing, I have to oh, yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, it makes, you know, the thing is, it does make sense, obviously. Um, yeah, I think Disneyland Paris is a little bit different in the fact that, um, you know, the, the fact that it's, it's the, the park, seeing as the park for Europe, that um, it's, it's fairly bilingual. Uh, in terms of content for the website and even the park itself. Um, whilst Tokyo, it's because of where it is, doesn't quite have the same um, footprint of culture um, that, that some of the other parks do. So I, I, I do understand why they wouldn't. And if that stat is anywhere near accurate of 93%, then, you know, you can certainly understand why. Yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of money to be made <laughs> with the locals here. Yeah, well, yeah. it's the home of, of Duffy the Bear and Shelley Mai. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. I love Duffy, and I know a lot of people don't, but I love Duffy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very famous for not. Um, but at the same time, we can... No, let's, let's be open. At the same time, I like Vinomation, and not many other people do. So, you know, horses for courses. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely something that's not really... Um, it's not really succeeded elsewhere. Um, what, what do you think has made Duffy and um, Shelley May um, so so popular there, and and it not really reached the same kind of popularity elsewhere? Uh, I would say for here, um, well, uh, uh, Japanese people love uh, things that are cute, and Duffy and Shelley May are definitely cute, so mm. they kind of hit the uh, right note with that one, mm. and when they brought Duffy to the park. They gave him a backstory, and he fit really well into Tokyo Disney Sea. So he almost has his own land per se. Wow! Okay. And they just they marketed him really well here, and it just it took off. And uh, also, Japanese guests love limited edition items. So giving Duffy different costumes every season. There's always a lineup, and they usually sell out of stuff. So it's just. It just works here. Yeah, I mean, and I then, think that. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Um, 
And I was going to say, and then I kind of watched when it was released in the U.S., and it just kind of seemed like they just kind of threw him in there and said, here he is, and just expected people to love him, and people just kind of thought, what is this? What are we doing with them? Kind of thing. So I think that's why it didn't really take off in the U.S. parks. And I, I, I don't know too much about Paris, how popular it is over there. Paris yeah. is a bit strange, isn't it, Paul? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, they. I was out in, in Disney World when they launched Duffy. Um, and Duffy came with a little uh, cardboard booklet that was attached to him that explained the backstory. I mean, I, I'm guessing the backstory is the same, that uh, Mickey bought Duffy. Also, Minnie bought Mickey Duffy, so when he went travelling, they could take pictures and and stuff. Um so the backstory was there, but I don't know. I, I think I think people were just a bit cynical about it being a market employer, which, when you think about it, really, is unusual because most things were market employer and very successful. But for some reason, just didn't, just didn't really catch fire. Um, yeah. Duffy in Paris, uh, I, I wouldn't say he was more popular there compared to America because it's a smaller market, but. Um, He's done okay. Um, well, I think. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I think Chris is right, though. I think it did seem like, you know, they they didn't really build the backstory and build any kind of any kind of connection to Duffy. It just seemed like here it is, you know, it's a license to to print money with all the different costumes, yeah. almost like a build a bear rip off um, Disney well, style. I think so, especially because in the in the UK. I don't know if it, it happened anywhere else, but in the UK, Duffy made its way to Disney stores, didn't it? Mm. And it was just thrown in there. Like, like one day there was some space for some other merchandise, and then the next day there was this wall of, of Duffy's with clothing. And there was no kind of thing at all. And yeah, if you were quite um, unaware of it, you would just think, well, this is just a, a Build-A-Bear workshop ripoff, who also do Disney costumes. So it seemed like a bit of a false, um, false thing to go, kind of go for. Um, just, just a bit bizarre. But they're talking about the cute things. I mean, one thing that has done very well um, outside of Japan, whilst I believe equally being big in Japan, is uh, Zoom Zooms. Oh yes, the Zoom Zooms. <laughs> Those things are everywhere. And actually, I have some Chippendales sitting right in front of my TV. <laughs> I'm looking at, I'm looking at two right now. Right in front of me, my daughter just came back from uh, London, and she uh, she got a Jimmy Cricket and um, Jimmy Cricket Zoom Zoom, and um, also a Frozen one as well. Uh, yeah, we've got um, we bought some for I say we bought some for the kids. We did really, but that, but it's kind of expanded a bit more um, because my daughter was born when Frozen came out. Uh, we bought her the Frozen ones when they appeared. Um, and my son was born when Big Hero 6 was released, so we bought him the set of Big Hero 6 ones. But I then managed to buy the inside out ones on the pretense that I'd enjoy the film. Um, and I bought the Night for Christmas ones because I like that film. And then all of a sudden, you've got a fair amount of Simpsons. I think, I think maybe with that, it's, it might be the price point. I think they're a very reasonable yeah. gift. Yeah, 
it's less than five pounds for one um definitely yeah um and what what's interesting as well chris is that um and again I, you know I, I don't think it's the same in japan please correct me if i'm wrong um obviously you can buy them in disney parks uh and we also get them in disney stores which i do know you do in japan um but they also sell them at various other retailers so in the UK, for example, we have two manufacturers. We have Disney Store themselves that have a company make them. Uh, and we also have a company called uh, Poshpoz who have the license to make Zumzums. So you can actually buy them in lots of other retail shops in the UK. And they obviously the manufacturers are slightly differently and they are, uh, one is a bit plumper than the other for some strange reason. So one looks at this a bit faster than the other Zumzums. Um, but I think it's it's interesting that you know that they're obviously banked on the success that much that they've actually sold them to be uh, not just a disney store product uh, but to also let other retailers sell them that's very interesting that's something i did not know at all <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. there you go so <laughs> lots of interesting information we're going out tonight <laughs> could these be the new um, nominations thick Uh, I think they are much they're going to be much bigger than Vinylmation. They in fact you could already argue that they are bigger than Vinylmation. Um because they set when they release the music they sell out very quickly. Very quickly. Um I mean I remember speaking to uh, a friend who works at Digital in London and when they first uh, what they do they have a Zoom Zoom Tuesday is where they release a new series of symptoms each month on the first Tuesday of every month. And for the first sets they had at uh, the beginning of the year, they only got in about, I think it was something stupid like about 20 sets or something, something like that. And they expanded on each release the times that by four. You know? So now, actually, if, like, if you didn't get them on the first day of release, you might not get a whole set, but now... Um, if you go into uh, a Disney store, you might be able to get a full set two or three weeks down the line because they've started to make more of them. Um, yeah. I think the price point helps. I think the fact that you know what you're getting as well. Because whilst a lot of people like that about Vinylmation, um, at the same time, that was also something that people hated, was paying, you know, eight, ten, twelve pounds for a box and you might not get the toy that you want. Yeah. So I think Zumzum, even though they haven't got legs, um, will actually have longer legs than, than Vinylmation in terms of <laughs> of lasting as a craze, really. I mean, Chris, um, is Vinylmation completely dead in Japan now? Yeah, um, when I first got here, they had a little bit of Vinyl Nation still. Like they had ones for the special events. They had maybe one or two that were themed to the event. And then after that, they just disappeared. There are no more here. Yeah. They just, yeah. Yeah, they just I mean, didn't take off here. No, no, it's quite, it's quite what strange. About, what about Vinyl Nation? Mm. Yeah. So what about, about what about pins, Chris? Have they still got have they still got pins there, or are they gone? Also, uh, no, they they still have pins here. 
they're not as popular as um, the U.S. parks, um, but they do release uh, limited pins for the seasonal merchandise. So I know those are very popular. And then they have um, ones that are for the attractions and Disney princesses and stuff like that. Uh, they usually just have like one little wall full of pins, and that's about it. Okay. okay. Go. Just go yeah. back to when you when you first went to Tokyo. Obviously, you said you were a, a Disney fan already, and had been to. At that point, you'd been to most of the other parts apart from Tokyo, and you said Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. I started. I went to Disney World uh, the, for for the first time in 2010. Mm-hmm. And Disneyland, I think the same year. Yeah. And then went to Disneyland Paris in 2012. Yeah. And when you first went to Tokyo, then what, what did you what did you really notice there? What were some of the things that you thought, wow, well, that's different, or you know, that's you know, that's that's something that people would see as a difference to the other parks. Um, how busy it is. That's the first thing I noticed. <laughs> yeah. It's it's always busy. Um. Another thing would be for a lot of the parades and shows, people have to sit for them, uh-huh. which is really nice, actually. Mm. Yeah. So for a lot of the parades in Disneyland, um, if you're along the parade route, you're you're supposed to sit the entire time. So people have like these little picnic mats to sit down on. They'll have like little cushions and stuff. It's almost like a little picnic in a way mm-hmm. while people are watching the show. So that that was very different for me, yeah. which I now fully embrace. I bring my little plastic sheet with me. I sit down. I set up. I talk with my friends. We grab something to eat. You know, it's like this. You know, a couple hour endeavor just to watch a show. <laughs> um, to be fair, stuff, that's most. That's how most people have to queue for parades anyway. But at least it seems a lot more social than what we normally have to part with. Yeah, and we don't have people kind of, you know, cutting in front of you last minute when the parade starts and stuff like that. People are very, you know, very um, uh, mindful of people around them, which is really nice. Mm. So, you know, if you've been there for two hours waiting, you're not going to have someone swoop in as soon as the parade starts to stand in front of you, which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds the ideal place for Canadians, to be honest, because everyone sounds polite. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so it's different from Paris. <laughs> uh, Paris was quite a shocker for me when I first went. Yeah. Is yeah. Culturally, it was very different. So. Mm-hmm. In terms Nothing. of queuing and cutting yeah. in and things like that, yeah. Um, as for let me think uh, for other stuff that's different, um, I'd have to say the merchandise is very different. It's very uh, character-based. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of tons of merchandise that revolves around all the characters. So Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Chip and Dale, and even some of the more obscure characters like Marie. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of stuff that people just love here. And then obviously Duffy, Shelly Mae, and now Gelatoni. Um, one thing that a lot of people you know, ask me when they come, saying, like, um, can I... Uh, can I buy a T-shirt that just says Tokyo Disney Sea or Tokyo Disney Resort? And I have to tell them, you usually can't. Like sometimes they have it, but usually not really. It's just something 
a lot of the guests here just don't buy. Mm. Like, I don't really know why, because we have really outrageously looking t-shirts here that, you know, like have these weird patterns and everything that everyone buys together as a group to wear. And nowhere on it does it say Tokyo Disney Resort. But people know that it's from Tokyo Disney Resort. Yeah. So that's that's one of the bigger things that that I noticed and also a lot of people that come over here notice as well. Wow. This is different. And the, the shows are all in Japanese. There's no English version. Um, a lot of the singing is in English because okay. it, it's very simple lyrics but yeah. if there's a story happening it's always in Japanese right unless there's a couple instances where stuff will be in English but it's kind of sporadic it's not really mm -hmm. consistent yeah and what about the what about the characters like the face characters like Cinderella or you know Prince Charming or somebody like that would that be a Japanese person or would that be somebody from a different country? Would they? How do they portray the face characters? Um, all the face face characters are Westerners. So right. you know, Cinderella's gonna be a blonde, a blonde girl from you know a Western country. Yeah. Um, there's a couple times I've noticed though that some of the face characters are Japanese, but mm -hmm. that might just be because you know they're short people or you know whatever reason. But for yeah. the most part, it's um, Westerners that are playing these parts. And for all the times I've interacted with them, they, they, I think they're told to only speak in English. Because I, right. I never hear them speak Japanese, even with like when they're interacting with Japanese guests. Like I'll, I'll watch them sometimes just to see what they do. Mm -hmm. And they're always speaking English. Like maybe I, I, there's a few times they'll they'll say hello like konnichiwa or something like that, but for the most part it's all in English, which is which is really nice because it kind of keeps that that character mm. because yeah. they speak English, so you know why would they speak Japanese? It just seems kind of kind of odd if they did. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so what actually brought you out to uh, to Tokyo? Um, well, there's a number of things. Well, first, um, I, I lived here before as an exchange student over 10 years ago. Cool. So, yeah, I was here. I did a six-month exchange way up north in, like, a very rural part of Japan. And I fell in love with it. I, you know, I, I loved the culture, and I made a lot of friends here as well. So it was, you know, I, I had a really good time. And when I went back to Canada, I always said, you know, I, I always want to come back to Japan at some point. And then... In 2013, I decided to come here on a working holiday visa, and my original plan was to stay here for just a year, just you know, traveling around, experiencing everything. So I came here, and I ended up finding a permanent job, and they wanted to keep me, so I said sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, I started going to the parks and everything, and here we are, <laughs> two years later. <laughs> That's good. That's good, though. That's good. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it makes a real difference to speak to someone that's been um, that's that close to the past. Because I mean, we've we've spoken to people before that have been um, to Tokyo Disney, but not somebody who is in the thick of it, really. Mm -hmm. So it's it's you know like a, a kind of trip report. Whilst I suppose with you, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know how frequently you're able to get to the park, but um, you're obviously able to get there more frequently than someone that's been there. Uh, once in their lives for about a week. 
Yeah, I, I go about every two weeks is when I go. It's just, uh, for me, it's about just over an hour and a half away by train. So it, you know, it, it, it uh, gets a little tiring if I'm going after work or something like that. So <laughs> usually I go on the weekends or holidays. And How accessible is it um, by train? Is there like a station at the park or...? Uh, yeah, there is a train station called Maihama, and that's where the uh, resort is located. Um, and fun fact, Tokyo Disney Resort's technically not in Tokyo. It's actually in the next uh, prefecture over, which is kind of, you know, that that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize. <laughs> that it's actually not in Tokyo, but they still call it Tokyo Disney Resort. <laughs> I, I suppose really. But yes, yeah, so- uh, to get there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was gonna say to to get there is pretty easy. Um, like if you're coming in from the airport, there's buses that go directly to the resort, so the, that's no issue. If you're staying in Tokyo, uh, the trains are really easy to figure out because uh, there's there's English everywhere, so it's really not that not that bad. Uh, it can be a little overwhelming because you actually do have to change at Tokyo Station, which is one of the busier stations in the city. And it's kind of a, it's almost like a maze. And you kind of have to follow the signs that say Tokyo Disneyland on it. So that could be a little overwhelming for people. I've, like, I've had friends come over and they said they, you know, had to take the change to the train there. And they, they said they just got overwhelmed and didn't know where to go and everything. But um, once they figured it out, everything was okay. But, you know, I think the first time going there is a little, little stressful because it's really busy. Yeah. And it, it's somebody, I mean, it's definitely one on the bucket list. Would love to, to come to Tokyo. If you were coming, you said it's busy all the time, but is there, if you were coming from somewhere like the UK, is there a better time of the year to visit? Or are there, whether it be crowds or weather or, or events, what would you what would you recommend there, Chris? Um, if you want decent weather, I would say... Um, in May and just after um, uh, Golden Week, which is one of the biggest holidays in Japan. And essentially, everyone in Japan is on holiday. So the resort is ridiculously busy. It's one of the busiest times of the year. But if you go just after Golden Week, it's Mm -hmm. nice and quiet because everyone's already gone. They're going back to school, going back to work. So the resort is kind of in a a lull at that point. Mm -hmm. And also, you can come just before Golden Week as, as well uh, in mid-April. And that's usually uh, when the uh, cherry blossoms are blooming as well. And those are really pretty to see. Yeah. So I, uh, so I would say that's kind of like the best time if you want to get like nice weather. Uh, the, the only event that's going on would be Easter. Because uh-huh. Easter runs from April until <laughs> the end of June. <laughs> wow. Which is really strange. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> But if you don't mind cold weather, um, coming just after New Year's is a good time as well. Just because uh, New Year's is, is the biggest holiday in Japan. Um, so the parks are ridiculously busy, and especially with their um, New Year's party and everything. And then after that, um, again, everyone just goes back to school, goes back to work. So uh, the parks are pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, but the only thing is, it's depending on how tolerant you are of cold, it does get a little chilly. And it's and since the parks are right in Tokyo Bay, uh-huh. uh, it gets really windy, especially in the evenings. So it can be not very pleasant. 
Right. What sort of temperatures does it get down to? Um, in the evenings, it can get down to like anywhere between five to ten degrees Celsius. Okay. All so right. uh, it yeah. it uh, rarely gets below freezing, but it does mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But it's also really like humid here too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've had a few cold Christmases at Disneyland Palace, so uh, mm. that doesn't sound too bad. No. I, I think the thing is, you're prepared. I mean, um, we were discussing this last night, actually. We're, we're about to get the kids some um, thermal undergarments for when we go to Disneyland Palace in, in, at the end of January, because um, you're, you're never quite sure. Um, mm. And it's, it's better to have uh, layers like that to uh, to to have underneath your clothing because if you yeah. get too hot then you can take your coat off but yeah there's nothing worse than it being the other way around where you just don't have enough um, clothing to keep you warm mm -hmm. and we've learned that the hard way in Disneyland Paris as well so um, yeah so um, recently um, in in Japan you had something that we've never had in Europe and probably never will have uh, in Europe but our friends in America do uh, and that's D twenty three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we normally get quite a, a lot of reports about um, D23 in the US. Um, and to be honest, the only news uh, I saw about D23 in Japan was, going back to previous uh, conversation, Zumzums. Uh, and the news of Zumzums they had released for the event. Um, but was there anything um, exciting that, that came out of the, the D23 um, Expo? Um, it wasn't as exciting as we hoped. We were hoping for more information on the expansions that are happening at both the parks, but unfortunately they didn't really release anything. Uh, probably the biggest uh, reveal was all their their plans for the 15th anniversary of Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, there, there they revealed uh, the uh, uh, theme song and the costumes that the characters are going to be wearing and they did a, a full presentation on um, explaining the whole theme which is crystals for the year so to me that was the biggest thing and there there was other little things here and there but I didn't really pay much attention to them it was mainly just that that I paid attention to because um, when we go to G23 first of all we have to win a lottery to be able to buy tickets Wow, and they have they have different tiered tickets, and a bunch of us tried for one of the higher tier tickets so we can go for all three days and go to a bunch of the um, presentations. Unfortunately, all of us lost. <laughs> so then we tried for the next uh, ticket down, which was a one day ticket and going to one presentation. Luckily, um, I was the one that won, so I was able to buy tickets for everyone. So I, I bought four tickets, and we all got to go. Um, and thankfully, the presentation we got to see was the one for Tokyo Disney Sea, which was really nice. It, and it was complete fanfare what that whole thing was. Um, just to kind of explain what it was, it was um, at the Maihama Amphitheater, which is basically it, that that theater was made for a Cirque du Soleil show, which is no longer playing. Um, so uh, the uh, COO of the Oriental Land Company 
was there and he was explaining, you know, things that are happening with the resort, just kind of, you know, businessy kind of things. And then all of a sudden, um, they start explaining uh, the 50th anniversary for, to for Tokyo Disney Sea. And they kind of do this video montage, just kind of showing when Disney Sea was being built, uh, just showing all the uh, construction and the uh, first time they turned on all the water for like the Mediterranean Harbor and all that stuff, which was really cool. And then Mickey and Minnie come out on stage and they're wearing their original costumes that they wore for the opening of the resort or sort of the, the park. And as soon as Mickey and Minnie came out, the entire theater was cheering and clapping. It was almost like, you know, these really famous people came on stage. You know, it was just, it was really kind of a surreal experience just with all the applause that everyone gave. Which is really but you neat. Do, you do realize that Mickey and Minnie are really famous people, yeah? Yeah, well, <laughs> not really people, but, you, you know, it, it was Preachers, like, a, yeah. you know, yeah, like these, uh, like uh, rock star or something came on stage. It was just, yeah. it, it was just a weird, weird feeling to kind of describe, just mm. the, the the whole energy in the theater. And then after that, it was like a forty-five minute uh, stage show. Basically, uh, they just explained the like the uh, crystals for Tokyo Disney Sea, like and just how they kind of play a part in the theming. And essentially, all the like all the main characters, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy, they all have these crystals that have different meanings, like friendship, energy, yada yada yada. And when they all mix together, they make this clear crystal, which is Mickey's, and it represents um, everyone's wishes coming true. And throughout the entire presentation, they were doing throwbacks to old shows at Disney Sea that have ended or are ending. So there was a lot of fanfare there. A lot of people were, you know, cheering and freaking out because the, you know, these shows were being performed again because a lot of people thought they would never see it again. Right. So it that was really neat to see. Like there was um one of the more popular ones that ended last year was The Legend of Mythica, which is uh, which to me was one of the best Disney outdoor shows ever. And they ended it last year. So it was really nice to see the costumes again and some of the performances and hearing the music and stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> that was the the, the presentation for uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. It sounds um, a little bit like the... Stuff, sorry, I was going to say, it sounds a little bit like the uh, Infinity Gauntlet or the Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Not talking about the shows... Chris, I mean, in the in the Disneyland park, do they have wishes in the park? Do they have like uh, night, nighttime shows equivalent to some of the U.S. parks? Uh, we have uh, Once Upon a Time in Tokyo Disneyland, which is a, a projection show on on Cinderella Castle. There's a little bit of pyro, but it's nowhere near like what Wishes is. Um, and to be quite honest, our fireworks here are not very good. Um, I think mainly because, uh, well, uh, number one, we're right in the city, so I think there's some bylaws and stuff like that pre that prevents us from doing a lot of stuff. And also because of the weather, it's really windy a lot of the time, so they end up having to cancel the one fireworks show that we do have quite a bit or altering it. So I don't like. I think for them, it's not worth doing. Um, 
but and then over at Disney Sea, uh, our nighttime show is Fantasmic, and and sometimes they have a seasonal show as well. For Christmas, we have um, Christmas Wishes, which is how, which is a, a a short little nighttime show. Yeah. Okay. And Fantasmic is that is that similar storyline to Fantasmic in the states, or yeah, it is in California. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I definitely wish that they'd bring to the European parts. Well, I don't know how they could, I suppose, but still, I think Fantastic is still such a great show mm-hmm. that uh, yeah. that it's it, it's missed. Mm-hmm. I think definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so, what would you um, out of the two parks? What would you say are your favourite attractions in each one? Okay. Uh, so for Tokyo Disneyland, I'd have to say my absolute favorite um, would have to be Pooh's Honey Hunt, which is unique to Tokyo Disneyland. Uh, that's a that's a fun ride. <laughs> um, the other, my other one would have to be the Haunted Mansion Holiday Nightmare, which is our version of the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, overlay on Haunted Mansion. So that only happens for Halloween, Christmas. So that's one thing I always have to ride. <laughs> Does that go right through and from then, Halloween to Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then over at Disney Sea, my absolute favorite would have to be Journey to the Center of the Earth, which is the attraction that's inside Mount Prometheus. Mm-hmm. And that attraction is fun. I love it. <laughs> that's one of the rides I always have to ride when I go there. Yeah. Uh and I've another heard a one... lot about it actually. That ride, um, I, I believe that that was in the original concept for Disneyland Paris. Um, and oh, really? Get, yeah, uh, because um, you, you've been there, so you obviously you've seen Space Mountain. But Space mm-hmm. Mountain was supposed to be part of a, a much bigger complex, um, and that was, uh, I believe, or at least parts of that ride were going to be used inside that as well as a different attraction. Um, um, for financial reasons, it never got built, and in the end, they they had enough budget just to make the Space Mountain attraction. So that's what they went with. Um, but but what's the ride like for those that don't know? Um, it's kind of a mixture between a just a, a a ride through, you know, where there's like you know kind of a story kind of happening, and then mixed with a, a thrill ride. So that, that I guess that's kind of the best way to, to describe it, and it's it's uh, inside Mount Prometheus, and I don't want to ruin it for too many people, but um, yeah, like the the uh, ride through is really nice. Like it kind of makes you feel like you're in the center of the Earth, seeing all these weird creatures and stuff like that, and then at the end, you know, there's a kind of a a, a thrill ride aspect to it, which is um, kind of unexpected if you if you don't know anything about the ride. <laughs> Uh, but for me, like my, my favorite part is actually the uh, the uh, queue to get to the attraction. So it's it's um, obviously inside Mount Prometheus, and it's really well themed. Like you feel like you're actually in a volcano. Not that I've been in a real volcano, so I have no idea how true it is. <laughs> uh, but it's very um, steampunk esque. Like there's there's artifacts in there from the adventurers that have gone you know to the center of the earth. And then when you get up to um, uh, 
one of the ends of the queue, you uh, go into this elevator, and the elevator simulates going deep down into the earth, which is really cool. And then you come out of the elevator, then there's another queue, and again, there's more theming and stuff, and it, it almost looks like a, um, a uh, mine, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, yes. it's fun. <laughs> Sounds good. So that steampunk, that would fit, wouldn't it, Nick, with uh, Disneyland Paris? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what they went for with Space Mountain there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the race. I, I do, I do like that land actually. But uh, mm -hmm. what was the? So I, I kind of interrupted there on, on my excitement for the Journey to the Center of the Earth. What was the other attraction you were going to talk about? Uh, the other one was Sinbad's Storybook Adventure, which is often overlooked by a lot of people. And this one's in the Arabian Coast, which is you know, themed after Aladdin. And it's it's a boat ride, and it's you know just the story of Sinbad, and um, a lot of people kind of overlook it because it, it looks like oh it's just another boat ride. Yeah, it is another boat ride, but it's a really really well done boat ride. Mm. Like the uh, music is incredibly catchy, um, and all the uh, animatronics they do in it are phenomenal. And it's actually quite long. Like, I'd have to say it's, ooh, I don't even know, probably about 15 to 20 minutes long. Like, it's a rather long wow. attraction. Well, that's long, yeah. Yeah, I was and on it's, I was... it's Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. As I say, it's a nice place to kind of rest, to get out of the crowds or the heat or the cold, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. So about like a Hall of Presidents, but on water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but better in my opinion. But better, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking Carousel of Progress actually when you talk about the length of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, I don't even think Carousel of Progress is. I mean, it feels that long. It does <laughs> feel that long, but I don't think it is that long. I mean, Tokyo Disney just sounds like such an unusual park because, granted, you've only talked talk, talked about your two favourite attractions that Chocolate Lagers kicking in, um, but but they don't really have any or don't appear to have from what you said any kind of disney theme is i mean i know there's yeah. a, a toy story section there but is there not much disney theming in tokyo disney scene um there is but it's very subtle i guess probably the best way to put it like it's you know like giving um the uh the uh, arabian coast as exa as an example it's like that section is beautiful and it looks like it's right out of Aladdin, like just with uh, all the theming and everything. And, you know, if you, um, if you uh, didn't know Aladdin, it'd be kind of hard to, to kind of tell like that it was from Aladdin, I guess. But if you kind of, you know, take a closer look, you can kind of see aspects of Aladdin in it. So there's like the, uh, the uh, two story carousel that we have. If you take a look at that, you can tell like there's some Aladdin uh, stuff in there. And also in some of the theming, there will be like signs that say, um, you know, something about the uh, the uh, Sultan or there's, you know, um, stuff about Jasmine and stuff like that. So uh, the uh, Disney theme is very subtle. So you kind of have to look for it, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, except for the uh, Mermaid Lagoon, which is all Little Mermaid and it's kind of obvious that it is that. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. And so if you were if you were coming to Tokyo to see the parks, 
how much time would you need to allow for to see both parks and do them justice? Um, I would say four days, and just because uh, that's the max that you can buy for a, a ticket for is a four-day uh, passport. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, get the most out of it, I, I, I think four days would be more than enough. Uh, you can do it in three if you really want to push it. Mm -hmm. Two, I would say that's not enough time, mainly because um, when you buy a three or four day park ticket, your first two days you have to choose uh, one park to go to for that day. And then the, uh, the uh, third and fourth day are park hopper days. So okay. if you go for only two days, you, you can only go to one park per day. You can't go between them. Mm -hmm. unless, un unless you're staying at one of the Disney hotels, one of the three, um, those guests can buy a park hopper ticket for the, the first day, but it, it obviously costs a little bit more. And I tell people it's not really worth it, especially if it's your first time, because yeah. you can easily spend one full day at each park. Sure. And if, if, if you're trying to park hop on the first day, you're going to be stressed out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I would say about four days is probably the, the the sweet spot. Yeah. And obviously Japan's an expensive country, but the the hotels in the resort, are they are they pitched at different levels? Do you have like a deluxe, a media, a moderate, a, you know, how do they, how do they work pricing wise? Um, all the Disney hotels, because like there's only three right now. I say they're all deluxe. Right. Like the cheapest one is the Disney Ambassador, and that's starting at. Well, I don't know what currency to say this in. Um, I'm gonna say it's about uh, about 350 US dollars starting. Okay. Roughly, and it just goes up from there. Like, oh. and then the uh, middle range one, I guess, would be the Tokyo Disneyland Hotel. Which is starting around four hundred dollars a night, and then going to the uh, Hotel Mir Costa, which is right in Disney Sea. Mm -hmm. uh, the cheapest you can probably find is about four hundred fifty, yeah, a night. So they're not cheap, oh. and that's not including uh, park tickets. That's just no what, room or just a, yeah, just the room. That's it. Just the room. Okay. But um, there are uh, official hotels on the resort, and they're. They're right on the monorail loop, which is really nice and convenient. Um, and those are a lot cheaper, and, but obviously they're not Disney themed. Yeah. But if you're being price conscious, they're they're a really nice alternative because they're right on the resort and they have like a bus that goes to the monorail. Um, and I, a lot of people usually stay at the Tokyo Hilton, yeah. which has a lot of deals a lot of the time. Like sometimes they'll have 50% off deals. So you can get a room for just under $100 a night. Oh, that's, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And then there's also the uh, uh, Sheraton Hotel, which is also another one that a lot of people stay at. And then there's a couple other ones, but I don't know too much about those ones. I'll say, Grandpa. No, go on, Nick. No, I was just going to say, um, this is something we've talked about in the show before. Um, and... There was an attraction that never got built. It's my favourite unmade Disney attraction uh, called Dick Tracy's Crime Stoppers. Have you ever heard of that, Chris? No, I haven't actually. Okay. Well, but I mean, to cut a, a, a long story short, um, it was going to be based on the film. Uh, it was envisioned for MGM, as it was then known, 
and you were going to drive around on cars shooting at gangsters. So you can probably understand, <laughs> you know, if you're thinking about that, why it never really um, took off as, a, as an idea. But um, the American waterfront part of Tokyo Disney Sea, um, the streets that are underneath the tramway there are actually taken from the uh, design concept of that attraction. Oh, really? I did not yeah. know that. So it's one of those, it's one of those rare instances where it, it was that fine to development that they actually had um, people fly over from uh, Tokyo Disney at the time um, to do the the ride trial um, as it was to demonstrate how it would work. Um, and although the, the ride never took off, the plans were available and they liked that idea, and so it was incorporated into Tokyo Disney. Scene. Huh. So there you go. Every day's a, little... a school day, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a little piece of trivia I can put in my back pocket now. That's right. <laughs> now the um the uh the competition recently opened a new Harry Potter attraction in Japan, yeah. Have you you've been to that park, Chris? Have you been to Universal? Um, not recently. Like I went yeah. like once ten years ago. Okay. I haven't been back since. I've been I've been meaning to go. It's just Hasn't happened yet. Okay. <laughs> we ask, won't ask too many questions about that. No. <laughs> Save that for Lee. Yeah. Well, I was saying that. I mean, I would. I would want to go if I if I managed to get over to Tokyo. I would have to go just because I've still got Jules. And oh, I do yeah. miss. Uh, I do miss Jules. That's true. Yeah. Well, Chris. I mean, I, I think it's because uh, I know how early it is it is over there. And uh, it is coming up to the end of the show. So, um, you know, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I think it's well, been really great me. to talk to someone that's, that's out in Tokyo. And anybody that's got any interest at all uh, in the show, um, can you just remind us where, where they can find you? Uh, if you want to listen to our podcast, TDR Now, you can uh, just search for us on iTunes and we're also on Stitcher. And then for everything else, Tokyo Disney Resorts, uh, you can find us on our website at tdrexplorer.com. And then we're also on Twitter at tdrexplorer and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash tdrexplorer. And, yeah, and honestly, anyone that's got any interest at all in the parks and actually likes to listen to a podcast where you listen to hosts talk about something truthfully uh, and without making too many jokes about things that aren't actually true... That's Who would the podcast do that? For you. Well, Who yeah, would do a exactly. thing like that? Disney Brit, obviously. Or <laughs> 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 the official universal. Well, indeed, they <laughs> are. Uh, and of course, if you want to get hold of us for any reason at all, uh, Adam Goodyear probably to complain that last <laughs> yeah. joke. Um, you can visit our website at www.disasterdart.com, or you can email us at podcast at disasterdart.com. And we're on Twitter at disasterdark, facebook.com forward slash disasterdark. Instagram, Pinterest, and other stuff. And uh, I think just before we go, I think it would be, uh, you know, we, we've kind of gone the whole show about talking about it because it is a bit of a Debbie Downer, but, um, you know, our, our thoughts to anyone that's been affected by uh, the recent instances in, in Paris um, that happened over the last few days. Um, respectfully, I think um, Disneyland Paris are, are actually closed until... Uh, I believe it's the 17th. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're, they're reopening on the 18th of November yeah. um, due to the national morning and 
I mean, really, uh, as much as everyone wants to kind of get back on track and everything like that, uh, you know, I think, you know, a theme park probably isn't the most uh, fun thing to do when, when that stuff's going on around you. Mm-hmm. So um, apparently the, they've been doing a really good job with um, trying to keep guests entertained that are already on property, uh, providing free food and uh, doing meets and greets around all the hotels with, with lots of characters to try and keep people's spirits up. But... Um, yeah, I think um, I think been quite sensible under the given circumstances, and um, yeah, like I say, you know, our thoughts with with those people that have been affected, and yeah. you know, I think once you know we've we've had a few days mourning, let's get back on the horse and, and carry on. I think the good thing about Disney is it is uh, a magical place, and um, you know, we'll be able to pick people's spirits up once uh, they're ready to do so. So um, yeah, yep. but on that. Down a note, um, yep. we'll call it a night. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, um, yep. especially well, thank you for having me. Such an, an early part of your day, yeah. and uh, yeah. we will catch up with you all in a few weeks' time. Yeah, great. Take it easy. Cue the music. Cue the lights. And oh, fill in. We're out. <laughs> Yes, nice. that's it. Uh, we're still recording, but we're not recording. So, um, yeah, Chris, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for really having me. Fun. It was fun. No, really fun talking to you. I mean, yeah. I, I doubt it would be any good for your show, but um, if you ever do want to speak to some English people, there's four of us here that would be uh, happy to return the favour. Yeah. Um, and if you ever want to uh, to come back, if there's anything you want to promote or anything you want to talk about, we'd love to have you back on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you guys ever want anything from me, just let me know. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Patricia says, uh, Patricia says, sorry for not making it. It's just she has to get her son ready for school and everything, and she just it's a little too early for her. Yeah, sure. no, understandable. But uh, no, um, it's the say that we said alone. Yeah, and Patricia's uh, welcome on anytime she likes. Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, no, really, really great show that you you do there, guys. Yeah. So uh, I mean what I said, very Thank good you. podcast and. Uh, yeah, you now I've discovered there is one, and you've certainly got a uh, subscriber there. Yeah, yeah, me too. I started. Uh, I started with episode one. Oh, wow. I didn't go to the latest one. I started at the beginning, and I'm working forward. <laughs> and uh, it is definitely Tokyo is on our is on our list. So sometime. Yeah, you hopefully. guys definitely have to come. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's the bees are on us when we do. The yeah. sake's on you though. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's definitely a different world over here, uh-huh. and like with this whole TR Explorer thing, I just kind of fell into it. I I never started it intending it to be what it is today. Yeah, I started doing it because I'm like, no one's really doing it, and I go a lot, so why not? Yeah, start doing yeah, it, and then people start catching on. I thought, oh shit, I should maybe actually do something with this. <laughs> no, that's great. It's so, good. Yeah. No, thank yeah, you very much. Fun. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I, I've been listening to your guys' podcast here and there as well. It's entertaining. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that's very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, all we, that's all we can do, really. But uh, again, thank you very much for giving up this uh, this part of your day. Hope the rest of your day goes okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly be in touch. We'll let you know when the show goes out as well, just in case you want to uh, let people know. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Brilliant. Thank you very Thanks, much, Chris. Chris. Thanks, Chris. Okay, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Nick. Have a good night.
Growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Dis After Dark, the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. 